Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel, reading there in the fourth chapter, beginning at the twelfth verse. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You may say it's rather a blustery morning, rather rainy, rather windy, but I do hope that all of us are glad for the privilege of being in God's house and to worship him at this hour. As all of us know, we have just come through the Advent season. We have celebrated Christmas. We've been at the manger. We have entered a new year. Last Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of the Epiphany, when Jesus was manifested to the wise men, showing that he was not only the Savior of the Jew, but also the Savior of the Gentile world. Today, this is the first Sunday after Epiphany. The text that I just read is very appropriate because it also has an Epiphany, a manifestation. It tells us something about Jesus. And this text answers the question that perhaps many of us have thought. Uh, when Jesus went out preaching, what did he preach about? What was the theme of his sermons? What was the theme of the thing which he talked about? And we are told here in this text, so we, we do have an epiphany of what his sermons, this preacher, what he preached about, what his sermons were like. We are told here in Matthew's Gospel that when Jesus heard that the Baptist had been put into prison, that he left Judea and he went up into Galilee. From John's Gospel, you know we talk about the three-year ministry of Jesus. From John's Gospel, we find that there was a previous eight months ministry in Judea, centering in Jerusalem. Then he left and went up into Galilee, oh, about a hundred miles up in the northern province. And there he had a two-year ministry, and that was followed by about four months in a Perean ministry, the region east of the Jordan. That makes up the three-year ministry of Jesus. So we are told here that he went up into Galilee, and here again was a two-year ministry. And we say, well, what did he preach about when he went up? And we are told in Matthew's Gospel, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was his message. 
Wherever he went in the synagogues, in the villages, wherever he went about in Galilee, he said, please repent, turn from your sins, be converted because, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is ready and it's waiting to welcome you, to receive you, to admit you. And today, uh, from the word of God, Jesus Christ, the preacher, he says to you and me, repent, please do. Turn from your sins, please do. Be converted. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't you realize, Jesus says to you and me this morning, that the kingdom of heaven is here, that it's right here at hand, that it's ready and waiting to welcome you, to receive you. It is ready to admit you. We may say to ourselves as Christ calls to you and me, please repent, do it for the reason that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's ready and waiting to receive you. We may say to ourselves, it's hard to believe that he calls on us to repent, to be converted uh, so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven because uh, we may say in all honesty, what's so wonderful about the kingdom of heaven? After all, oh, if you do enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, what's so great about What do you get out of it? What do you get out of it really now if you enter the kingdom of heaven? And we may say to ourselves in all honesty this morning, there are millions of people who have heard the message repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, it's ready and waiting to receive you. And we may say there are millions of people that snub that kingdom. They turn up their noses at it and they give it the cold shoulder. Evidently, there just isn't anything so wonderful, so earthquaking and trembling, is there? As regards the blessing of the kingdom, that's getting down into your life and mine, isn't it? We say, why should I? After all, what am I going to get out of it? Uh, what's his sales pitch, we may say this morning in all reverence? If he is the superstar preacher and he is the one that went out and said, please repent because don't you realize the kingdom of God is here ready to welcome you? We may say, what's his sales pitch? What's he got to offer? After all, I'd like to know if I go into the kingdom, just what do you get? Jesus would remind you and me on the basis of his word and on the basis of his preaching ministry when he calls repent because don't you realize the kingdom of heaven is here it's ready and it's waiting to receive you that Jesus would assure you and me that the blessings of this kingdom they are second to none you can't top them if you try Jesus would remind you and me on the basis of scripture that even heaven could not give any greater blessings well, then what the kingdom of heaven offers to you and me. And that's why Jesus says, please repent, please be converted, please turn from your sins. And we may say, what do you get out of it? All right, if he is the superstar preacher, what was his sales pitch? What did he sell? What did he say? And in the first place, he would remind you and me on the basis of Scripture that in this kingdom of God, you receive the blessing of the deliverance of your soul from your guilt. And we may say, uh, you mean I can't stop that? We ought to first stop and say, what do you mean by the kingdom of heaven, preacher? What is it? It's here on earth, isn't it? He came and he said, it's here, it's ready and it's waiting for you. What is the kingdom of heaven? Why, it's the assembly of all people who have repented, who have been converted. It is the assembly, it is the communion of all sinners who have put their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's made up of them. When God looks down and sees those who have really repented, when he sees those who have put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, this is the kingdom of God. 
it is invisible, it has no denominational handles. Anyone who has repented and has put his faith in Jesus, he has entered that kingdom. It's here on earth. It is invisible. We sometimes call it the church. We call it the kingdom or the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. But it's the assembly of repentant sinners who have put their faith in Jesus. And we may say, all right, if he calls on me to repent and I am to come into the kingdom, he says, don't you know the kingdom is here and it's waiting and it's ready to welcome you? We may say, uh, what's his pitch? What's the seal? What do I get out of it? And Jesus, on the basis of Scripture, says, I will deliver you from your guilt. I think every one of us this morning would have to say we are guilty. I don't think there's any stuffed shirt in church this morning would say he's never had an evil thought or he's never said an evil word. I don't think there's any stuffed shirt around that would say that. And I think you and I would say, well, I must confess that I am guilty. I have broken God's law. And then if we can confess that, that we are guilty, we say to ourselves, therefore I know that when I stand before him, I need forgiveness. And Jesus says, this is the blessing I give you when you come into this kingdom. I will forgive you your guilt. I will take my blood, which I shed on the cross, and I will wash your soul whiter than snow, that when you come into this kingdom of heaven, when you join the assembly of the repentant, your guilt will be gone. And I promise you that I will remember your sins no more. I will blot them. I will obliterate them from my mind so that you can start forgiving yourself. Can you top this? I challenge you. Jesus, what's his sales pitch, we may say in all reverence? What's he got to offer? Millions have turned their backs on this kingdom. Jesus would remind you and me that the blessings in this kingdom are second to none. For he would remind us that the next blessing that he gives is deliverance from hell. You and I may say, oh, this thing about hell, this thing about my soul and body, being separated from God, but I'd like to remind you, and Jesus would too, that on the cross, when he was there in the darkness, you remember when he bore hell and damnation in your stead and mine, when he cried out in his mother tongue, in his mother sprocky, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he was forsaken of God on the cross, he bore an eternity of hell and damnation punishment for you and me. And Jesus says, when you come into my kingdom, this is the blessing that I give you. And I assure you I do because I died for you on the cross. I challenge anybody within the sound of my voice to top that one. You mean that it means that we are going to be saved from an eternity of regret. Can you think of anything more horrible than to spend an eternity that will never end regretting and say, what a fool I was. When he called to me to repent and I didn't go in to spend an eternity of regret separated forever from the love and mercy of God. Can you talk it? I don't think you can. Jesus says this morning, this was the essence of his preaching, he says, repent. You know, I may say, what was his sales pitch on the basis of the word of God? What's so wonderful about that kingdom? Millions snub it and they turn their nose up at it and they have no use for it. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, I give you, you're asking me the blessings, I give you the blessing of the assurance of heaven and eternal life. You and I may say, oh, you mean pie in the sky, do you? Well, again, Jesus, you know, died and he arose again and he went to heaven. But before he went, he talked about his home. He talked about it and said again, in my father's house are many mansions. And he spoke about it. And he spoke about the joy in that kingdom. And that means an eternity in heaven with God where there will never be another tear. I challenge you to top that one. You'll never know what a tear is. And he proved it by his resurrection. Can you top it? An eternity with God in heaven. This is the blessing when we become repentant sinners and we go into the kingdom, he says, you can spend eternity in my house in heaven. You'll never know what a tear is. You'll never realize 
what a tear is. I challenge you. We may say to ourselves, what was his sales pitch if he was a superstar preacher? What did he talk about when he went up into Galilee, spent two years there, and he began to preach about the kingdom of heaven? Uh, what did he have to offer? And you and I may say, uh, uh, why millions don't see anything in that kingdom? Why should I go in? Why should I repent? And Jesus says, I offer you blessings that are second to none. Not only deliverance from guilt, not only deliverance from hell, not only the assurance of eternal life, but he says, I offer you peace of conscience. Do you ever have your conscience give you fits? Do you ever have turmoil within? Were you ever any more miserable when you said, if there is such a place as hell, I'm even experiencing a bit of it now? Jesus says, when you come into my kingdom as a repentant sinner, I'll give you peace of conscience. I'll quiet that conscience. Because you can say to your conscience, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve to be damned, but I put my trust in Jesus. And I know that he has forgiven me, that he has washed my soul whiter than snow, that he has put a robe of righteousness on me. And Jesus says, I'd like to see you top that one. Jesus says, won't you please repent? And we may say, well, what's your sales pitch, Jesus, superstar? What have you got to offer me? There are millions that uh, snub their nose at you and just simply give you the cold shoulder. What have you got to offer? Jesus would assure you and me this was the message of his preaching. He was a superstar preacher because when he spoke, he promised those who would enter that kingdom who would repent and be converted the assurance that he was the Messiah and that he had these gifts to offer. We may say, well, you can be pulling the wool over our eyes, superstar preacher. You can be, again, you've you got a good sales pitch, but how do we know that you're on the up and up? Well, we are told here, Matthew says, he went about all Galilee, changed his residence from Nazareth, and he moved into Capernaum right on the Sea of Galilee to a bigger city. And he went throughout all there, and he was healing all the sick. He healed those Again, he healed the insane. He healed those that were possessed of devils. He healed those regardless of their ailments in order to seal and to verify that he was the Messiah. This was the first and the chief reason for his healing. In other words, he'd say to you and me, do you think I'd double-cross you? Do you think that I'm a sham? Bear in mind, I went about and I healed them and I showed my power and I verified that I was the Christ. And also I arose from the dead. And Jesus says... Can you top it? I'd like you to know I'm not going to disillusion you. When death comes, when that moment comes, you can rest assured that I'm not going to double-cross you. I'll be there. And I'll come through because in my ministry I preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want you to know that it's got blessings that are out of this world. They're second to none. You can't top them. I challenge anybody to top them. Jesus says, won't you please repent? Won't you please be converted and come into the kingdom? Because he assures us power all the way. You see his power in healing. And we may say, well, if I get into the kingdom, what blessing do I have? Why, the blessing that you and I have is God an omnipotent Savior watching over you and me. That means that he says, I'll feed you and I'll clothe you and I'll put a roof over your head so that whatever your mission is that I have for you in life, you'll be immortal till you fulfill it. And I'll watch over you that no danger, no harm, no illness will ever come without my permission. And I promise you with my power I'll overrule every one of these things for your good. I promise you that Satan and all the powers of hell shall never be able to grasp you and snatch you out of my hand. I promise you that. I ask you, can you top it? You can? All right. You can tell me. Jesus says, won't you please repent? 
Won't you please be converted? Don't you realize the kingdom of God is at hand? It's here. It's ready to welcome you. It's waiting to admit you and waiting to receive you. And you and I may say, what do you get out of it? After all, what kind of a preacher was he anyhow? Was he a superstar? What was his sales pitch? You've got to have a sales pitch. You know, you've got to sell something. Well, Jesus, on the basis of Scripture, he had a tremendous sales pitch because he also told them that in this kingdom, on the basis of the Word of God, you've got strength against temptation. We may say, well, Jesus, if I go into the kingdom... Suppose an Irish man, how do I know I'm going to stay in grace? How do I know that I'm going to stay in that kingdom, that I'm going to have all these blessings? Jesus said, you think I'd fail you? He says, I promise you that no temptation will ever come to you, no enticement, that you would fall from grace to go ahead and do deliberate sin. But what if you ask me, I'll give you strength to say no. There's no reason, he tells you and me, that anybody's got to fall out of grace. I'll give you strength that if you ask me, Whenever Satan or the world or your own flesh comes to you and entices you to fall from grace and to do that which you know is wrong, if you ask me, I'll give you strength. Can you top it? I'd like to see you try or me. We say, this is the superstar preacher. This was this Jesus that went up into Galilee. Yeah, this was he. You say, what was he sales pitch? How does it come? So many hear it and they, they snub their noses at him. Nevertheless, he assures you and me on the basis of Scripture that the blessings of the kingdom are second to none. He promises also this. He promises long-suffering on his part. This is the blessing, and he assures of this, if you and I should fall. We may say, yeah, if I go in, Jesus, superstar preacher, if I go into the kingdom and I put my faith and trust in him, supposing I fall, are you going to be standing, waiting, and then pounce on me like an eagle and say, hurrah, I'm going to damn you? Jesus says, oh, no, no, where did you ever get that idea? We gave the people in Noah's day 120 years to repent. And Jesus said, if you fall, you'll find me long-suffering. You'll find me hoping and waiting. You'll find me praying for you. You'll find me showing mercy and kindness. Because the last thing I'd want you to do is if you fell from grace to be lost. I ask you, can you top it? You try. You just go ahead and try. Jesus says, oh, please, won't you repent? Won't you turn from your sin? Won't you be converted? The kingdom of heaven is here. Don't you know it? The kingdom of God is here. Yes, this kingdom made up of repentant sinners, of those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. He says, it's here. It's ready to welcome you. And here are blessings that are second to none. They're just out of this world. Even heaven couldn't improve. Jesus says, I also offer you this blessing, the joy of right living. And I may say, why, the only fun you've got in life is doing wrong. Rather strange, if you want to have a good time, you've got to do wrong. But Jesus said, if you come into my kingdom, I'll give you the surprise of your life. I'll let you find out there's joy in right living, that there's something about virtue you're going to find is a lot of fun just in living a holy life. Jesus will remind you of me that's the way we live in heaven and this is ultimate and absolute joy. Jesus would remind you and me this morning he was the happiest person also that ever lived. Why? Because it was a right life. We may have the idea that wrong living is the only joy. Jesus says you've got the surprise of your life. You're going to find it's fun to be holy. It's fun to be a Christian. 
It's fun to live a decent, clean life. It's fun to be right. Can you top it? Then Jesus says, you ask me about the blessings in this kingdom. And Christ says, I'll give you the joy that when you show your gratitude to me for every blessing that you have, that you'll find a real enthusiastic life in showing love and mercy and kindness and understanding to your fellow man. You see, Jesus went out doing good. He went out and he healed. He he expressed his love for people. And Jesus says, when you come into my kingdom, you talk about what are you going to get out of it? You're going to find joy as you want to tell me thanks for salvation that you found in me, that you'll go out and you'll begin to express it in loving your neighbor as yourself. You're going to begin to treat them like you want them to treat you. You're not going to hate them anymore. You're going to have mercy. You're going to find joy and a real sense of satisfaction in living a Christ-like life of mercy and kindness and the joy of touching other souls. But maybe they'll see something attractive about my kingdom, and maybe they'll want to come in too. Well, sometimes we say to ourselves, don't we, I wonder what he preached about. He's the superstar. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Jesus, the superstar. What kind of a preacher was he? What was the theme? What did he talk about? Here's what he talked about. He went out and he preached. This was the essence of it all. Repent. Turn from your sins. Be converted, won't you? Don't you know the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here? It's ready and waiting, and I offer you blessings that are second to none. You can't top them. I don't care who's listening. I don't care who within the sound of my voice. You couldn't top it if you tried. That's why he says to you and me this morning, please repent. We may say, wonder what he means. Oh, don't make it hard. Women say, I'd like to repent. I'd like to go in that kingdom. I'd like to be numbered among the assembly of the repentant and of the converted. Oh, don't make it difficult. The first thing we do is we just admit that we're a sinner. I don't think that's too big a price for that kingdom, do you? What do you mean admit? You know, we're all so proud. We hate to admit we're wrong. We hate to admit we've done wrong. All that Jesus says, if you repent, just, just admit it. Just own up to the fact that you have sinned and own up to the fact that you deserve punishment. If you and I have got any sense, that shouldn't be too big a price to pay, should it? But we may say, but oh, I hate to admit I'm wrong. It's always the other guy. I, I just hate to admit that I've sinned. I hate to stand before him and tell him that I've sinned and I know that if he dealt with me in justice that I ought to be condemned. But it's true. And you know, if we admit it once in our lives and just stand before him and say, I admit it, I'm the God. You know, it's rather strange. There will be some comfort, strange as it may seem. The comfort, you know, we talk about an honest confession is good for the soul. And oh, just to pour it out and get rid of it is a tremendous relief, isn't it? Men who have gone out and committed murder and have shielded and finally have confessed it, then they go to sleep and they sleep, we are told, sometimes for 24 hours. Oh, God, what a relief. Rather strange. Psychiatrists know this. They know that they can just get you to unload. Get rid of this turmoil, this living hell within. Tell it. Get it out of your heart. Even that's a relief, isn't it? Rather strange. Jesus said, just, just admit it. That is not right. Now he said, if you want to repent, the next thing I'd want you to do is tell me you're sorry enough to quit. You're sorry enough to quit doing those things which you know are wrong. This is, this is a problem. You say, I hate to give up the things that I know are wrong because I'm getting so much fun. Well, how much fun is it? 
How much fun is it doing wrong when you and I have got a conscience? A lot of fun at the time, isn't it? All the world beckons with everything. It's a lot of fun, but what follows then when the old conscience comes along and it just digs the living hell out of us, doesn't it? Then we have that sense of guilt, and then we go into despondency, and then we wonder whether we want to live. Then we wonder whether we wouldn't be better off if we were dead, and we wonder whether there's any forgiveness, and we even talk about taking our own lives, and we take a look at the revolver, or we pick up a rope, don't we? What fun is there in doing wrong? Rather strange, isn't it? Not much. A few minutes, and that's it. Judas had a little fun in picking up 30 pieces of silver, but oh, what living hell he had within him after it was over. We say to ourselves, to be sorry enough to quit, that's all. Then again, there is this comfort that we soon find out. We soon find out that there just isn't too much fun in doing wrong. We're glad to get rid of it, aren't we? Rather strange. And the next thing he says, if you want to repent, why, just ask me to forgive you. And put your trust in me as your Savior. You and I can do that. Is that too big a price? To turn to him and say, forgive me. You died for me on the cross. You arose from the dead for me. Put your robe of righteousness on me. And I put my trust and my hope of eternal life in you. Jesus says, then the bells of heaven will ring. Oh, you'd be surprised. This makes heaven rejoice. And oh, I'll be so glad. And I'll say to you, come on in because... I'll never give you a cold shoulder. I'll never snub my nose at you. I'll never turn my back on you. If you will just come and put your trust in me, I'll let you in that you can have the assurance, the joy of salvation. Don't just get. But you know, it's a rather funny thing. Listen, and as a teacher, this thing, you know, you wonder, you wonder what, what happens in preaching. Eat your heart out in preaching. If you knew the number of hours that I spend in getting a sermon ready on Sunday, you wouldn't believe it. I know most of you folks think, boy, when he gets up there, all he has to do is roll it out of his sleeve. If I told you I get up some mornings at 2.30, quarter to 3, walk the floor, and what do you say next Sunday? You see, when you get through today, it's all over. You've got to start in. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't know what it was to have about four or four hours and a half sleep a night. When you get up here on Sunday, you have no idea. It's a killer if there ever was. Then add a bunch of punies besides, and you want comfort. Where do I go? I stand as the lonely guy, don't I? You wouldn't believe it. Oh, you say, then, then you say, with all your effort, then what happens? Why is it that so many turn their noses at you? When you do your best and you sweat blood. You say, what's wrong? Well, I... Look here at Jesus, and he, he was a superstar, believe you me. He had a sales pitch. I've just tried to bring him out of the Word of God. It has mine beat. Yet we're told that his fame and all around Galilee and over in Decapolis and in Syria. Why? And they brought their sick to him. They didn't come to hear him for repentance. Kingdom of God is here. Here are blessings that are set, and they came and had their sick he was superstar. He was the greatest. Which means this in your life and mine. You know, I've got a sneaky suspicion that when a man hears the gospel in his own heart, he says to himself, that's true. But you see, we all think we're logical, intelligent human beings. We all work on common sense and logic, but we don't. 
You know and I know that the kingdom of God offers blessings you couldn't improve on if you lived a million years. Got everything. Yet isn't it a strange thing that with it all, millions hear it and say no. They say no. They did it to Jesus. They weren't interested. Repent. They wanted their sick healed. You say, what in the world's wrong? Superstar. He had a sales pitch that was tremendous. My Lord, he was the greatest preacher that ever lived. I didn't want to hear anything about repentance, but in the heel. Down in you and me, there is something of mystery where we say no. Because, you see, you and I work by feeling. We work by the way we feel, and that isn't very substantial. We thumb our noses at him, millions have. So you see, the real answer is this. The answer is up to you and me. It rests in you and me. We don't work by logic and by common sense. He knew it. He was my superstar preacher. He had a sales pitch that had beat mine all hot. But they didn't want it. Reminds me of the story of the little boy that went to the seer, to the wise man, and he had a bird in his hand. He went up, he says, Oh, seer, oh, wise man, oh, man of wisdom, I want you to tell me because you're so wise, this little bird I have in my hand, is this little bird alive or is this little bird dead? Well, of course, the wise man looked at the little boy and he said, Little boy, he said, If I tell you that that little bird is alive, all that you'll do, you'll just squeeze your hand tight and you'll say, No, the little bird's dead. But he said, little boy, if I tell you that that little bird in your hand is dead, why, you'll look at me and laugh and you'll open your hand and say, there he flies. No, he was alive. And then he said, little boy, you're asking me whether that bird in your hand that I can't see is alive or dead. Little boy, the answer rests with you. All depends on you. Jesus Christ, superstar, he had a sales pitch that was tremendous. He just says to you and me this morning, listen, son or daughter, the answer rests with you and me. Behold a stranger at the door. He gently knocks, has knocked before. Has waited long, is waiting still. You treat no other friend so ill. And will he prove a friend indeed? He will, the very friend you need. The friend of sinners, yes, tis he with garments died on Calvary. Admit him, lest his anger burn, and he departing ne'er return. Admit him, are the hours at hand, you'll at his door reject it, stand. My superstar preacher who had a sales pitch that was tremendous found out that the multitudes, they snubbed their noses and they gave him the cold shoulder. Because, you see, with everything that the kingdom of God has, the answer rests right down here. And I hope that you and I, right here in church this morning, where we're at, that we'll say, I repent. I admit it. I promise you that I will not deliberately sin. I'm sorry enough to quit. I put my trust in you for eternal life that you and I may have the joys and the blessings that are second to none.
The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.